the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. Rosenthal is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Satera is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is an employee of Rosenthal Wealth Management Group and affiliated with Satira. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Well, welcome to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. Larry Rosenthal is here in studio with us, as he always is. You know, Larry, it's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. It's a song in there. Good morning to you. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well. Doing well. I see Bob's got got his his peanuts background again there. Eight (laughs) days to get on your sleigh. Eight days. Get ready to send it all around the world, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Me on a sleigh. That sounds like a really good idea. (laughs) (laughs) No. No. Have have you finished all your Christmas shopping yet? Uh, I'm about halfway there. How about you? I think by the end of today, it's going to be knocked out pretty good, I'm hoping. The question is, did you put your lights up? Lights are on the tree. No, <laughs> okay. So that's a that's a sort of a non-answer, but I know I know what that means. <laughs> there you go. How about you? Uh, well, that's right. I asked you because I hadn't done it yet. Uh oh. Uh oh. I get I get a look from I get a look from uh, from the uh, my other half every once in a while. I was like, why haven't you done that yet? So I got to get on that before you got to get out there. If you're a light guy, you got to get out there. Uh, yeah, I you do. know, yeah. definitely, definitely. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome, welcome to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal's show. This week before Christmas, actually, it's not uh, next week will be the, the, the broadcast before Christmas, if you will. But, mm-hmm. you know, it is the holiday season. So so uh, uh, where are we in the markets and the economy mm-hmm. and the Fed? You know, despite the fact that we've seen inflation coming down, the Fed still stands on its hawkish position and commentary. If you go back and take a look here, this last week, the last couple of days, Thursday and Friday this past week, the market was under a lot of pressure, good amount of pressure, stuck in this trading range. And we have seen this consistent theme happening here pretty much where we start to see inflation come down and then the Fed comes back and speaks and says, nope, we're we're steadfast, we're going to remain hawkish. And that's true. Now, listen, the Fed is not going to tip its hand 
as to when it thinks it's going to pause. You know, uh, Drone Pal came out and said two and a half weeks ago, basically, the future of rate hikes, the, the pace of them is going to have to slow down. You know, the markets were, were, were uh, very uh, enthusiastic, I should say, of a pause happening, maybe the February 1st meeting, right? Well, the, the, the tone from the, from the Fed meeting the other day was not so fast, right? We're going to have to see how the data plays out. The data is going to continue to show that, that inflation, and most, and most likely, would still continue to, to, to bleed down a little bit. Moving the anticipation of future rate hikes more, more to, to a lower amount and to a pause. So the, the market action the other day, Thursday and Friday, was really broken down into a couple of scenarios. Uh, that came together. You 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 still have you always have a crowd that says doom and gloom, and you always have a crowd that says, "Hey, this is great, right?" And then you have the realists sort of in between, which is sort of where I sit sometimes. And and you you take a look at the 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 uh, uh, earnings expectations in 2023 as a result of the Fed's Fed saying, "You know what? We're not sure how far we're going to go, how much we're going to go." the other day, which is what their narrative has been all year long, right? But when you really take a look at where we are, where core inflation is, things like that, uh, we expect to see somewhat of a pause, you know, sometime in the first quarter, which is what we've been telling everybody, and the markets should celebrate that. But anyway, earnings estimates, uh, the big talk the other day in the market was maybe we should lower earnings estimates. And when you, re, when you lower earnings estimates for 2023, corporate earnings, then all of a sudden you see the P.E. ratios pop up, which all of a sudden stocks become slightly overvalued here. Not much at all. That's what the concern was the, the, in the market action on Thursday and Friday. Now, we're not going to get any earnings news basically until January, right? So between now and the middle of January, no corporate earnings. Very few companies will be coming out here in the next couple of weeks. But we're going to have to wait and see what happens, you know, the second week in January. Plus, we'll get the, the, the December inflation numbers, and the Fed's not going to meet till January 31st and February 1st. So they're going to get a lot of economic data between now and their next meeting, okay? And you can already see, even in, this, even in the markets being under pressure Thursday and Friday, you can already see the future markets are, are, are skeptical. They've come out and said, hey, in the future – in the next Fed meeting, we're very skeptical that the Fed's going to continue to be able to raise rates, okay, uh, it, as a result of where they are right now. The Fed rate sits at 45 to 4.3 quarters, um, and, you know, from, from zero earlier this year, you know. So, so we're, we're, we're starting to see us get there. We're just not there yet, but we're starting to see us get there. And the Fed's not going to say we anticipate not raising rates anymore at our next meeting. They're not going to say that. Okay, they're they're still looking at 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 uh, data in the rearview mirror, forecasting forward, and so this is a good break. Uh, this you know this next basically six weeks before the Fed starts to speak again, we're going to get a lot of information there. Part of also when you take a look at 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 what the Fed's looking at, the Fed's looking at everything, but there are some key measurements that they're looking at, and. Obviously, the economy is slowing down a little bit because you saw retail sales this past month in November. They actually dropped a little bit more so than expectations. They were down 0.6 month over month from October to November, which is great news from the standpoint of inflation coming down, right? 
But then you take a look at how does that translate into corporate earnings, and then you also take a look at wages, which are still strong. And the Fed's saying, you know, listen, with a tight labor market, wages can still drive up, and that means people will spend more money. But yet at the same time, you're seeing data that says, wait a minute, the consumer's pulling back a little bit, even in shopping season. Okay, they're pulling back a little bit because they see the economy ultimately slowing down. This stuff's going to wash out pretty soon here. Uh, as far as all that goes. So uh, core PCE numbers, uh, inflation headline numbers, they're all starting to come down a little bit. The two biggest components that's, that's, uh, that's making up the inflation numbers that are still stubborn is housing prices and um, food and hotels outside the home. So people are going out to eat a lot, right? And that's what's happening, Okay. That plus plus uh, housing prices. Now, housing prices have come down, but it's the rents that have been going up, which is causing part of the inflation. Now, next month, we expect to see the rents coming back down. Okay, So as, as those are the two biggest parts right now that are, that are, are, are making up the lion's share of, of what's keeping inflation where it is. But, you know, in June, we were at 9.1. Today, we're at 7.1 trajectory if this continues we should end up being around three or four by the end of next year to get to the feds targeted two percent goldilocks inflation number i still think that's going to be hard to hit i don't see a big issue with inflation at the end of next year is three three and a half maybe four percent with a fed funds rate floating right in that area there that's not an over tight economy okay that's 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 not Goldilocks, but at the same time, you have to recognize still supply chain issues, although they're a lot better, but they're not where they need to be, and still domestic energy policy, creating a bottleneck of production, okay? So you still have those issues that are going to be with us for a while. Bottom line is, though, that, that future corporate earnings in 2023 and 2024, the estimates are going north. They're going up. The economy is still strong, so so stay diversified. Maintain your long-term approach, okay? Again, you should have in your portfolios what we would call your quiet money or your quiet sleeves of money. You know, those were your protective conservative dollars. Probably not down much. It's just the growth components of things. I think mine are are too quiet. Yeah, too quiet as as far as that goes. Hey, I do have some interesting news, though. Oh, okay. Some really interesting news, and I'm excited about this. And it's going to be a, a very uh, interesting thing to see how this plays out in the coming decade. Because it's going to take about 10 years or so for this to really get commercialized, okay? But, but researchers at the Lawrence Livermore National Labs in California announced an amazing scientific breakthrough this week. Uh, as a controlled fusion experiment earlier this month created more energy than it consumed. In other words... They were shooting a laser into fusion, I guess, and it created more energy than it was consuming. Okay. Oh, my. This accomplishment, here I'm, I'm reading here, the accomplishment was six decades in the making, okay, and it could lead to a revolution in green energy. This wow. just happened a couple of days ago, although the development of commercial applications expected to take a decade or longer, okay? Still pretty but cool. you talk about an interruptive technology. You talk about a brand-new scientific breakthrough. This is pretty interesting stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. This just happened. We've been working on this for six decades, okay? 
and now now this is there. Now how do we bottle it and get it into the system, right, is, is another thing. But keep an eye on that. You can go check it out at Lawrence Liver, Livermore National Labs. I've been reading the articles, and it's just really exciting stuff. Pretty cool. Okay, to, to, to take a, 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 a good look at it. So let's go ahead and welcome Nikki on the line from Virginia. Good morning, Nikki. How can I help you? Hi, good morning. I'm just calling with a compliment. I don't have a question. I've already invested with you all. Um, and that was from hearing you on the radio and then calling. And I, I just am so grateful that you are willing to work with anybody um, that um, has maybe a limited amount of money and not a huge substantial amount to let go because I had shopped around and some people just, they don't even bother. They don't even want to touch you. And, and you, you sense that attitude and, and you all are just so flexible, willing to work with people. You're trustworthy. I wanted to go with a Christian organization. You're kind, you're patient, you keep me informed. And I just can't say a, enough wonderful things about you. And I just wanted everyone listening to know that. Wow. Well, thank you very much, Nikki. I start my, my week on off very well. I appreciate that. Larry's so. beaming over here Great. right now. Yes, there we go. Yeah, well, super. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate that. And Merry Christmas to you, okay? Thank you. You too. Yep. Thank you very much. I appreciate the phone call. You know, that is true, Chris, that, that – um, in our firm, I, I decided many, 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 many years ago, which is hard to believe because I'm only 29, right? <laughs> but here, but, uh, yeah, yeah. right? Um, but no, we decided a long time ago um, that we did not want to have account minimums, that we felt everybody had the right to explore financial planning, financial education. And yes, we have clients that, that have um, incredibly large accounts, and we have clients that have smaller accounts as well. But we always do take the time to, to, to give people, you know, the right direction and, and help them all out. You know, if you stop and take a look at it, there, there's, there's a, you know, I, I, was, I, was, <laughs> I was actually talking to some friends of mine last night over at a buddy of mine's house. And um, he was talking about how, how they were firing me off questions. And, and he, was, he was talking about how it just seems there's a lot of people out there that don't understand simple things like compound interest. Mm-hmm. And as a nation, I think we've really dropped the ball on teaching people about finance. Oh, yeah. You know, you can have some brilliant minds that are doctors and scientists and, and history majors and, and everybody, right? And they're just brilliant minds in their vocation, but they still don't understand how to save money and how to invest and how not to. They don't understand how to do simple taxes, how to balance checkbooks. We, we see this all the time for, for, for people. You know what's interesting, too, Larry, is that you know, it's kind of short-sighted to say that you start with, you know, that you don't have enough money to invest or something like that because you had to start somewhere, right? I mean, you had to begin, even if it was a small amount, before you got to the big amount anyway. So That's correct. Yeah. That's exactly correct. Yeah. You know, when I, was, when I first got out of college, I learned a, a hard lesson twice. Okay, and I racked my credit card bills up, you know, just like most kids do, right? <laughs> when you get out of school, I racked them up to the point where I was like, "Hmm, this probably isn't, and it probably isn't good." And I paid them off. Took a while to pay them off, and then it happened again. And and I thought I was okay because somebody was telling me, you know, as long as you can make your payments, you're okay. It doesn't oh, really matter. Yeah, and then I sat down, I started looking at this, and I said, you know what, wait a minute, this is not right at all. And then so I took some time to pay, pay, pay him back down again. But, but we've done an amazing job 
in in commercializing payments. You know, the big screen TV is not eighteen hundred bucks; it's twenty two dollars a month or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Right? How much mm-hmm. is the car payment? You know, that kind of stuff. So, but uh, Nikki's correct. We we open up our doors to to anybody that wants to to uh, have an opportunity to learn how to do financial planning, no matter what level you are, whether yeah, you're their sophisticated, lives, yeah. Yeah. Uh, very, very extremely large estates, or, or uh, you know, the average person. So, so no problem at all with, with, with all of that. So, hey, we're going to take a quick break here. Give us a ring today. It's open mic Saturday. That means no questions barred at all. Any questions on your mind at all, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. you listen to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. It is the night of my dear Savior's Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's the cdfi.org your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community go to the cdfi.org make a difference go to the cdfi.org your questions 855-767-3123 that's 855-ROSE-123 coast to coast from the nation's capital this is the Larry Rosenthal show 
All right, welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show. 855-767-3123 is the number to call. That's 855-ROSE-123. To talk to that guy you're seeing on screen if you're watching on LarryRosenthal.tv. Larry Rosenthal. Larry. Sure, Chris. Let's welcome Nita on the line from Tennessee. Good morning, Nita. How are you? I'm, good. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Merry Christmas. How can I help you? Well, um, I'm going to retire in the next year or so, and I was wondering if I should take Social Security early and leave my 401 intact or, or not. Most of the time, Nita, the answer is yes. If you're not working, then yes. And, and, and here's the math behind this. Now, I have to run it out in your financial plan to prove it to you, but I'm telling you, 99.9 times out of 10, out of 100, it's, it's the right thing to do. If, let's suppose Social Security is going to pay you, just to do math easy, you know, $1,500 a month, okay, which is eighteen grand a year okay. roughly. And, and now you say, well, I'm 62, and my normal retirement age might be 66 or 67. I don't know what it is for you. Uh, so, so the first question is, well, what is your break-even age? Usually it's 79, 80, or 81 is your break-even age. But then the next part of the equation is, well, wait a second here. If you decide to not take Social Security, then that means that, that maybe over five years, you might be spending $90,000 of your own money because 18000 a year times five years waiting for Social Security to start at 67 is $90,000. So you're basically saying, hey, government, go ahead and keep my Social Security money, and I'll spend down the principal of my money so that you can pay me a few hundred dollars a month more later in life. And when I run out yeah, that financial plan, exactly, when I run out that financial plan, usually, Nita, it shows it's best for you to take Social Security earlier and save your own money, okay? Because yeah. not only okay. do you spend down your principal, but think about this for a second. That 18000 in this example, if you did not spend it down and you kept it invested and it earned 7.2%, then in 10 years – that tranche of 18000 will be worth 36000 And the next year, in year 11, will be worth $36,000. That's just a compound interest formula. So when you look at the math behind this, yes, it is true that you will make more money from Social Security the longer you wait up to age 70, but it's not necessarily always in your best interest. And that's why we, we, we talk to clients all the time about this, Nita, and so the real answer to that on how it works in your household at your address is we would run out of financial cash flow to show you that, and I'd be happy to do that for you. If you want, I'll, I'll show you the exact math on that. I can put you on hold, and Bob will get your information, and we'll have somebody give you a ring next week and show you how it works. Love that. Well, I appreciate the phone call. Let me put you on hold here, and Bob will pick up and get your contact information, and we'll have somebody reach out to you and do a Social Security analysis for you. So appreciate the phone call. Merry Christmas. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Dial us up at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's welcome Carmel on the line from Maine. Good morning, Carmel. How are you today? I'm doing fine, thank you. How can I help you? Um. My husband and I, between two different accounts, have shy of $200,000, and 
we're one, somebody said we should be planning so that we don't have to pay a lot of income tax in at the end of the year, which I'm realizing we're at the end of the year now. And I didn't know if you had any advice on that. Carmel, when you're growing money, when you have money in investments, the IRS views your investment accounts and my investment accounts and even Chris's investment accounts through four different tax lenses. Okay, even Chris. Okay. Right. Yep. There you go. Right. And and uh, uh, so so when you're when you're growing your assets, if it's in a non-IRA account, like a non-retirement type of an account, it's called a non-qualified account. So it's subject to taxes each year, different types of taxes. Uh, for example, capital gains distributions or buys and sells or interest earnings, things like that, even if you're reinvesting it back in. So in an account that is not tax-deferred, you can have it very taxable or you can have it in a, as a tax-efficient position. For example, in a mutual fund, the mutual fund a lot of times will be buying and selling all year long, sort of buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell all year long. At the end of the year, they may choose to kick out a capital gain, which becomes taxable to you. You can invest in the same type of asset class, the same type of investments through a different product called an ETF, exchange-traded fund. Okay, And there, they don't kick out those taxable distributions for you. So it's more tax efficient each year as you go along. Or you can buy individual stocks. So one of the when when we sit down with clients, we take a look at at three major uh, allocations. First of all, we talk about your asset allocation. Where are you investing? You know, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Then we talk about product allocation, which is what I was just talking about. There's a difference between mutual funds, ETFs, ETNs, stocks, bonds, the whole nine yards. There's a difference between all these types of products out there. And they all have a different tax impact to them a lot of times as well. And then we talk about tax allocation strategies. Again, the IRS views our money through four different tax lenses. So to answer your question, yes, you can improve your tax situation while you're growing your money simply by having a more tax-efficient design in your portfolio. I don't know what's in your portfolio. We'd be happy to take a look at it for you, and we can give you some some uh, language or, or give you some leadership around that to show you how to make things more tax-efficient for you, if you like. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Yep, absolutely. I'll put you on hold, and Bob will get your contact information, and we'll have one of our advisors reach out to you next week. And then they can they can tell you over the phone, you know, what you have, look at your tax turnover ratios and different things like that and show you how to get things a little bit more tax efficient. So I appreciate the phone call. Have a Merry Christmas up there in Maine. Thanks a lot. Well, you're listening to Making Money Sense. Dial us up at 855-ROSE-123. Let's bring Robert on from California. Good morning, Robert. How are you? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, Mr. Rosenthal. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Merry Christmas, sir. How can I help you today? Merry Christmas. Well, I just wanted to know which one is better, a credit union or a bank? Um, I, from my perspective, it's the one that allows me to be closer to it and has more accessibility the way that I would choose to do banking, whether if you're an online banker person or if you're one that wants to walk into the door. That's my opinion on it, okay? As far as rates go, they're pretty similar. Sometimes credit unions offer something a little bit uh higher in rates, but, you know, just shopping around, that's all. 
you want to make sure that any deposits you put in to any institution are at least FDIC insured. That's for sure. Okay. Seems like credit unions have less fees. They could very well. You know, you're you're talking about shopping the difference between hundreds and hundreds of credit unions and hundreds and hundreds of banks. And I would imagine that you would experience a bell curve across that that, uh, spectrum right there. Oh, okay. Well, thank you so much for your time, and I really appreciate what you're doing. Absolutely, Robert. No, no worries at all. You have a great Christmas, and I appreciate you calling from California. Merry Christmas. You're, you're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. Hey, check out our website. Go to LarryRosenthal.com. Follow us on Facebook. Check out our YouTube channel, LarryRosenthal.tv. We're live streaming right now the show every Saturday morning on LarryRosenthal.tv. Uh, subscribe and what is it, Chris? Subscribe and hit a bell. Ring the bell. Yep. Yep. Ring the bell. There you go. <laughs> then you'll get a notice every time we go on. We'll be uh, coming out with more webinars and things the first quarter, January, February, and March, which before we take this break here, I want to talk just a moment here. Uh, let me just squeeze this in for 30 seconds. We just had our, our, our webinar, uh, our December market economic commentary update webinar on Thursday this past week. We did two sessions. It was just a quick one. It was it was uh, 30 minutes in length from 2 to 2.30 and then from 6 to 6.30 uh, Eastern time on Thursday. And, you know, we're doing market commentary updates. We had people from all over the country, clients and non-clients from all over the country, uh, attend the webinar. So thank you if you were one of those uh, on the webinar. had a couple of good questions, but I want to continue to provide economic update, and I purposely pick days that are going to be hard because of all the new economic data that comes in. So the, the we're giving you the, the latest economic data as soon as it hits the airwaves. you got to work your bulletproof vest sometimes because you never sometimes know Sometimes it's green on the screen and it's an easy one. Sometimes it's red and it's a little bit more of a difficult mm-hmm. uh, 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 scenario. But but you wanna, we want to make sure that everybody's staying up to date and that people don't make some of the most fundamental uh, uh, mistakes out there in 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 investing. So, hey, let's uh, let's take a quick caller here before the break. Let's bring Mike on from Virginia. Good morning, Mike. How are you today? I'm good. How you doing, sir? Well, how can I help you? So, I was just wondering um, the, the way that I have things set up right now. Um, most of my asset money is in the bank, and it's doing okay. It's collecting like three point three percent annual interest. Um, I have a condo that I rent out that uh, I paid the principal down on. It should be paid off in the next few months. Um, I paid that off about 12 years early. And then, you know, I, I, I max out on my 401k every year. Um, and I've got a little bit of money left from uh, from a, a, that my father left me when he passed away. And I'm just wondering with that cash sitting in the bank, is, is there something else I should be doing with it right now with the, the climate of the the market and stuff? Yes. Yeah, so let me ask a couple questions, Mike. First of all, I want you to have three to six months worth of living expenses saved up in the bank, okay? Mm-hmm. That's sort of the base cornerstone of it all. Next question okay. is, how old are you? I am 45 in February. All right. So, so after you say, all right, I've got enough money saved in the bank for, for comfort levels, you know, three to six months worth, then the next step is, where do you want what do you want the rest of these dollars to do because there's there's a difference there's there's a line in the sand and it's about 8.3%. We need to get 
aggregately, long-term, not year-by-year, but long-term, our money earning over 8.3%. There's a difference between loanership and ownership dollars. When you're earning less than 8.3% on all of your money long-term, you're basically lending your money. You're loaning your money to people, in this case, the bank. The bank's taking your money and doing other things with it to provide them a greater return, right? So my point is your dollars have to outpace three things long-term taxes, inflation, and investment fees. That puts you at about 8.3%, okay? Money in the bank, money in bonds, hence loanership dollars, traditionally do not do that long-term. So at your age, what I would do is I would start taking a look at saying, you know what, where's my finish line? Maybe you want to retire at 55, maybe 65, whatever the day is, it doesn't matter, and start taking some of this excess money that's in the bank and take advantage in your case with your long long time horizon of this buying opportunity. The markets are not going to be this volatile forever, and they're not going to be down forever. Yeah. They will come back to an all-time high at some point. I don't know if it's going to be May 1st next year, May 1st the following year, or May 1st the following year after that. But at some point, everybody's going to look in the rearview mirror and go, man, I wish I would have put more money in back when the market was down 20%. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And so now's a great yeah, time to... Go ahead. I, I've, I've kind of been I've kind of been stashing that money away, and and there's more than three to six months there. I mean, there's you know I've got probably a year and a half worth of cash uh-huh. um, to to take care of me if something happens. Um, you know, and I've kind of been waiting for the market to figure out. You know, and I, and I know you can never like figure it out precisely, but like when the best time to take some of that money and start to invest it while the market is low. When the market is low is the best – yeah, when the market is low is the best time to do it. Let, think about it like this, okay? Think about it like this. You're driving down a road, okay, and on the left there's a mountain and on the right there's a mountain, okay? And this mountain's a mile high on the left and it's a mile high on the right. And you're in the bottom of the valley, right? Okay? You know that it's – now let's talk about that from the standpoint of a stock market. At one point last year, the stock market was at an all-time high, last November, December, right? It was at an all-time high. This year, it's pulled way back down. It's in the valley, but at some point, it's going to be high again, okay, over on the right-hand side of the mountain. You picture the graph in your mind now? So all along this bottom, every month, every couple of weeks, be buying stuff. If you bought stuff in June of this year, you're already up 8 or 9% on the June purchase. If you bought stuff in October, you might be down 2 or 3% right now. Okay, But when you go back in time, when, when we get to an all-time high again, and you go back and say, aggregately, I made all these purchases when there was blood in the streets on Wall Street, when the markets were down, this is how people accumulate wealth. This is how you're going to do it because you're going to get more shares per dollar that you buy. But but I'm saying this again because you made a statement, you know, I'm waiting for the market to figure it all out. Once the market figures it all out, the market's going to be way back up. The, 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 um, the best days in the market come off the bounce from the bottoms. And when you hit a bottom for a while and then it goes up for three or four weeks and it comes back down to another bottom, those bounces are where you get a lot of return on your dollars. So it's a patient time. It's a scenario of saying, let's just go buy some quality stuff in some different areas that are going to lead. That's the deal. I can send you out some info on this and, and, and really show you how to do it. But also, 
if you wanted to be very conservative, you can also look at treasury bills right now. You can buy a six-month treasury bill at 4.6%, 4.7%. You know, that pays a little bit better than a bank CD also. So there are places of opportunity to to park money, uh, safe, quiet-type money as well. Mike, let me put you on hold here. Bob will get some contact information from you, and we'll send you out some some ideas on this. We'll have an advisor reach out to you and maybe show you some of the opportunities that are that are sitting here in front of you and show you how to start building this type of a portfolio to enhance your 401K selections as well. So I appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Dial us up at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's welcome Jesse on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Jesse. How are you? Oop, you there, Jesse? Yeah, he must have taken off on us. Oh, okay. We'll just pick up, uh, drop him there. Hey, you know, it is the Christmas, it is the Christmas season, right? It, it is. is the Christmas season. Jingle, yep, jingle. Definitely. There you go. And and you know, so let's let's jump into something real quick here. I wanted to get to earlier today. Sort of the difference between man's economy and God's economy. There's a lot of differences, uh, if you think about oh, yeah. it, the, the differences in, in man's and God's economy, right? But let's focus on giving real quick. What does the Bible say about giving? It's the time of season, that's for sure, right? People are thinking, where can I donate? What can I do? You know, in the Bible, it's just filled with Scripture on, well, the Bible is filled with Scripture, right? But it's filled with specific <laughs> Scriptures yeah. on, on giving. And, and there's a lot of them. I was looking them up this week. There's a lot of them. And, you know, in Proverbs 3, 23, uh, I'm sorry, Proverbs 3, 27 and 28 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but to each of you, to the interest of others. Think about the season we're in right now, you know. Then they asked Jesus, what should we do then, the crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share one with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Think about the blessings that the Lord has bestowed upon all of us in this country, and we are one of the most, we are the most giving nation that's out there. There's no doubt about it. But stop and think about it in your local communities, your families, your friends. Maybe somebody's run on hard times this year. You know, this is the season to give, you know. And and there are different ways that you can do that with charitable giving, with donor-advised funds, pooled income funds, charitable remainder trust. I've talked a lot about this. Explore the opportunity of how to give away money and use the friendly part of the tax code. You know, an, an example of this is, is think about this. You, you might have a couple of children. And maybe one child can handle money and another child really can't handle money. You're, you're afraid that they would hurt themselves with an inheritance. You can make a donation of an inheritance. In other words, you can create a charitable remainder trust or a pooled income fund. It's a very easy charitable type of a, of, of, of a document. And you can name your favorite charity or your church. Okay, And you can name your child who may not be able to handle the money because of spendthrift issues or, you know, they might go buy three Corvettes instead of one, right, Chris? You know, and, and you want to be able to help them. 
you can give them an income for life type of a scenario and then when they're done with it the charity gets the remainder portion and you get some nice tax deductions for this along the way it's all about planning it is. That's exactly right. So there are very friendly parts of the tax code to help with legacy and estate planning and charitable giving and things like that. And it is the season to be thinking about that, you know, and, and just look at Scripture. It's filled with all types of ways to give. Again, one difference between man's economy and God's economy there. We're going to take a quick break. Give us a ring. It's open mic Saturday. No holes, no questions barred at all. Give us a call at 855 Eight five five. Well, what's our number? Eight five five seven six seven three one two three. That's eight five five Rose one two three. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment with more. Maggie Money says. From the realms of glory, bring your flight over all the earth. Ye who sing creation story, now proclaim Messiah's birth. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. So many different ways to invest money. Lump sum deposits, buy and hold, market timing. How about dollar cost averaging? Put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it may be. This gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares. You want to keep buying more and more shares over time. On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years. Started with your financial plan today at LarryRosenthal.com or call right now for the financial planning toolkit, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. You are listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. It is the season to think about Christ. It really is in his birth, isn't it, Larry? 
Every day. Every day. Every day. Yep. Hey, on our website, LarryRosenthal.com, you can go check out our blog. We put an article up here this week on 1031 exchanges, tax-free 1031 tax-free exchanges. What are they? How do they work? Boy, is it easy to do or is it complicated? You need to get to somebody. You need to get with somebody, an advisor, a tax preparer who understands the rules for sure. But but a 1031 tax-free exchange is part of the tax code that gives you the ability to 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 exchange a like kind of an investment for another like kind of investment, often used in real estate transactions. Okay, I've got a whole bunch of information on it right there. If you want to check it out in our blog at LarryRosenthal.com, just click on the blog button and you'll see it right there. But it's basically, in, in the most simplest terms, it allows for a real estate investment to move from one to another. So you could sell your property and avoid the capital gains. You can defer the capital gains by rolling them into the new property. You have to do it, you know, according to, to, to the rules of it all, okay? And, and basically there's a 45-day a rule and a 180-day rule. You have to be able to, uh, according to the IRS, you have 45 days from the date you sell your, your property or relinquish the property to identify a, a uh, potential replacement property. And then you have 180 days in which to close on that property. So it's basically a way that you can sell property A, buy property B, and not have to pay tax on the sale of property A right now. You can roll it over into property B. Does it mean you get rid of the tax? No, it doesn't mean you get rid of the tax. You're just deferring the tax. Ultimately, when you sell property B, you may have to pay the tax unless you do it again. Now, a lot of times people will try to pass real estate onto heirs. So you can buy property A, sell it, make a profit, roll it into property B. Then one day, sell property B, make a profit, roll it into property C. And then one day, if you pass away, your heirs will receive what's called a stepped-up basis in it. They will receive a stepped-up basis. In other words, they will receive property C in this example at the full market value. They could sell that off tax-free because the code allows for a stepped-up basis when you name a beneficiary uh, along those lines. So check it out on our website, LarryRosenthal.com. I'll be more than happy to to, – uh, you can just download the whole article right there and explains the, the ins and outs of 1031 tax-free exchanges. Let's welcome uh, Norman on the line from North Carolina. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good, good, good. How are you this morning, Ryan? I'm doing well. Merry Christmas. How can I help you? Yes, thank you. Merry Christmas. Um, um, my question is I, I often struggle with, um, you know, the three to six months living expenses that you mentioned earlier. Yep. Um, wh- where do you put that in order not to spend it? Where do you put it in order not to spend it? I would put it in the bank. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I would do. I would put it in the bank. Um, just don't, don't, you know, are you saying that money in your bank you reach in and spend? Yes, yes, correct. Uh, then if you wanted to, you could put it into a CD where you'd have to pay a penalty to pull the money out, okay, um, which might not be a fun exercise to do, but that might be a way to you know, have a little bit more discipline in not spending the dollars. You could put your ATM card in a bucket of ice and throw it in the freezer, and then by the time it thawed out, maybe it would make a change in your idea of whether you take money out or not. That's just you know, Chris's idea. 
or not. An idea too, yeah. Yep, that's solid planning there. <laughs> um, uh, that, that that that's pretty much it, Norman. Is is I would say it's just just a matter of you know, and, and maybe you can move the money into a savings account that doesn't have online access for withdrawals or ATM capabilities. Right, right, right. Okay, all right. Okay, all right. Uh, a good idea. I um, uh, thank you and uh, appreciate what you're doing. And Merry Christmas to uh, you and yours. Yes, sir, Norman. Appreciate the phone call. You have a great Christmas. Uh, let's go ahead and welcome Glenda on the line from Texas. Good morning, Glenda. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How can I help you today? I have a question concerning gift annuities. Christian okay. gift annuities. Yep. I would like to know if there is a particular way that you can tell one is better than the other, better selection, and is a gift annuity a good place to put your money? There are, well, first of all, when you're looking at trying to do what we would call plan giving, charitable giving, there's many different ways, Glenda, to to give an income stream, if you will, to a charity, in this case probably a church, right? Um, so, so, you know, the, the gift annuity is going to give them the income now. Okay. Um, there are, there are lots of different ways depending on how you want to explore, um, with what you want to do. It's something called gift economics is, is the way that I would sort of step back and say, excuse me, let's look at your gift economics. And what I mean by gift economics is this is. You obviously have a desire to give a stream of income to your church, right, or to a mission or, or, or to a charity, wherever it's going, okay? Looking at the four or five different avenues that you can pursue in the plan giving arena, let's take a look at what your objectives are because sometimes it's just easiest just to write a check and give it to, give it to them and not have to go through these different, different programs. Sometimes a gift annuity would be, would be a good way, sometimes a pooled income fund or a donor advice fund. But each one of these programs are going to have what we would call a different gift economic associated with it, depending on tax breaks, liquidity, rates of return, disbursement rates for income, and things like that. But to answer your ultimate question, is a gift annuity a good idea? Yes, it is, if it aligns with your gift economics on what you want to try to do. So... Um, I would say get some education on the different ways to give. And I have actually, I have a whole packet on all the different ways that, that somebody can give. If you want, I'll be happy to send it out to you. We do a lot of, of, a lot of uh, leading with clients and giving and, and showing people how to give away money um, to, to churches and charities and things like that. You know, if, if, you, if you stop and think about it for a second, Glenda, at some point, your your financial plan says, you know what, you're not going to run out of money. At some point down the road in retirement years, you're sitting there and you're going, it looks like we're going to be okay. We're not going to run out of money. Where do we want these dollars to go? And they're going to go one of three places. They're going to go to your heirs, they're going to go to your charities, or they're going to go a portion of it to the IRS, right? So where do we want them to go? That's part of what I'm talking about, your gift economics. How do we want to break this down and look at the different programs and the friendly part of the tax code to be able to deliver this uh, to, to, to your charities and your heirs in the most tax-efficient way? 
Um, so there's ways that you can give money to your charity, and they can turn back around and give you an income stream to replace the wealth that you've given away back to your family. And it's sometimes tax-free benefits, too. Based off your tax deductions, you can do conversions from traditional IRAs to Roth IRAs and wipe that whole thing out. So, again, I'm, I'm, I'm just going on and on about this because it's an exciting part of estate planning. It's an, it's an exciting part of financial planning, wealth management that we do in, in you know, showing people how to give money away uh, to the best of their ability. You know, a lot of times you, you talk to financial advisors like myself, you know, wealth managers and, and things like that. And we're, we're always talking about how to accumulate dollars, right, and, and minimize taxes. And, yes, that is true. But part of it is when you break down the three phases of financial planning, accumulation, distribution, and legacy planning, part of it is knowing how to disperse these assets. And a lot of times it's giving it away if you have charitable intent. So, Glenda, I kind of went on and on there. Sorry about that. But um, if you want, I'll be happy to send you out the information on gift annuities and all the other ways to go about doing it. Would that be okay? Yes, that would be wonderful. Thank you. Okay. Yep, Glenda, let me put you on hold real quick. Bob will get your contact information, and then we will go ahead and uh, uh, have somebody follow up with you next week on that. Uh, and then okay. have a great Christmas also. Appreciate the phone call. If you listen to Making Money Sense, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. Let's bring Debbie on from te from Texas as well. Good morning, Debbie. How can I help you? Good morning. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you today? husband recently started working um, as a self-employed driver, driving a truck, um, and we're going to need to get like self-employment pension. He has part of his previous 401 through Fidelity. I didn't know if that was a good place to start. I'm just listening to you on the radio while I'm driving. So. Sure. So basically your husband's moving from an employee status to a self-employment status, and you still have the desire to save toward retirement, right? Correct. Yeah, there's a handful of programs that your husband can look into. One is just a traditional IRA. One is called a SEP IRA, which is a simplified employee pension plan. It enables you to put more money away. Another one is a solo 401k, which enables your, your husband to be a, a, a self-employed person and still participate in a 401k very, very similar to what he was already participating in. So there's three basic okay. plans right there. Uh, he could actually, if he grows his business, open up a defined benefit pension plan also, but that's probably down the road a little bit. So depending on if he has employees, depending on how much money he desires to save in the retirement plan, I would look at a traditional IRA, a SEP IRA, or even a solo 401k plan. Okay. Uh, I okay, just did a solo 401k plan for a client of mine the other day. He's He called up and said, hey, I've been doing this contracting stuff, and I need to put away some money. So, boom, we opened it. And, and a rule just changed this year on a solo 401k. You can open it up before the end of this year, and you don't have to fund it until your tax filing date in April, which is a big, big benefit change for self-employed people. So. Okay. Um, he actually drives for a self-employed driver that owns the truck, so he's like a contractor. Being That's a contractor means he's going to get 1099 income, so he himself yeah. is actually going to be self-employed. So he's eligible for these types of plans that I just talked about. Okay. So Debbie, if you like, let me put you on hold here. We've got just a moment left in the show. Let me put you on hold here real quick. 
Uh, we got one minute left, and Bob will get your contact information, and I'll send you out the information on uh, the different types of plans for your husband, okay? Okay, thanks so much. Yep, absolutely. You have a great Christmas, Debbie. Appreciate the phone call. You can dial us up each week at 855-ROSE-123 when we're not on the air. This, this line switches right over to our toll-free number. Don't forget to visit us on LarryRosenthal.tv on our YouTube channel. Uh, hit the subscribe button and ring that bell so every time we're on the air, you'll get a notification for it. Stay tuned because we'll be coming out with more of our webinars in January, February, March, and April next year. We're going to be doing educational sessions and market market updates. We've got a whole lot of stuff uh, on, the, on the docket for that as well. So you can go to our website, LarryRosenthal.com, sign up for our newsletter as well. So for Chris McKay and Bob in the back answering the phones, I'm Larry. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.